And how you guys doing? Welcome to episode 763. Yes, you can hear the replays of the whole show on every podcast platform out there. Second segment included, which I now we go for about an hour and 20 minutes per episode. <sighs> Story today. I, you know what? I can't believe it. I really can't. I'm bringing myself to say I can't believe it. This is something that is really serious. The Cariega family uh, out in Washington, there was a whole family that was killed. And they're blaming the banditos committing the murder. See, I stuttered there. I was like, man, there's no way. And the reason why I say there's no way Clubs don't get down like that. That's something you would get out of a cartel, but not a club. Yeah, when there's beefs and stuff like that, bad things can happen, but it's with the individual that they have a problem with. It's never with a family. And that's why this is so hard to believe that they're naming members of the banditos or associates, whatever, because we're going to go over the story. Again, this is cartel type of stuff, man, because they don't care. But not bikers, man. We got our own families. We got our own kids. We know how it feels if something goes bad with them. So I'm just not buying it, man. And you know what? I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But this is just the start of it. Uh, three suspects were arrested, and it's in the quadruple murders of this family. Now, there is a timeline to it, and I'm going to read with you, okay? Let me get this thing muted there, okay? It's muted now. Let's get to it. Out of Fox 13, three suspects arrested in quadruple murder of Washington family. From 2017, investigators said Johnny Cariega, Crystal Cariega, and their sons Hunter Schaap and Jonathan Higgins, both 16 years old, were killed on January 27th of 2017. This is five uh, years plus some months since this has happened and arrests are finally being made in this. Going on. We're looking at the Kinsap uh, County Sheriff's Office says a 43-year-old man and 49-year-old man, uh, come on, you're going too fast there, <laughs> were both uh, from Brem Burmy, uh, what is it, Bremerton, and a 50-year-old Gig Harbor man faced felony charges. County Sheriff's Office charges range from first-degree aggravated murder to first-degree murder. The bodies of Hunter, Jonathan, and Crystal were found burned in the home. Uh, John's body was later found inside a scorched truck in Mason. Kissab uh, investigators told Fox 13 News in 2020 that the Banditos Motorcycle Club was involved in the murders. That was two years ago. What else we got here? Uh, yeah, they were involved in there. Uh, bail was set for $20 million for each suspect. 
now let's go into this since that was the overview before 11:30 on January 27, 2017, de- deputies responded to a 911 call from a home in Seaback. Uh, "Quote: Help! My whole family shot me too," said 16-year-old Hunter Shap. Uh, you can hear the pain, fear, and frustration in his voice. "I'm dying. I'm shot right now. My family's dead. When are you coming to me? I can't even imagine what he felt like. It. I can't. I can't." When deputies arrived, they found Hunter, his 16-year-old brother, Jonathan Higgins, and his mom, 37-year-old Crystal Carriega. Two days later, 43-year-old Johnny Carriega's body was found inside the burned-out F-150 pickup on a tree farm off the Waddle Holly Road in North Mason County, more than 15 miles from the home. Investigators said after 9 p.m., uh, Johnny Cariega was seen at the Camp Union Grocery on Hollywood or Holly Road, and he was driving the truck he was found in. In the video, he was seen pulling up next to an unidentified vehicle in the parking lot and was there for a few minutes. Uh, His truck was seen leaving uh, the store parking lot. There's a picture of him. Now, getting into the investigation... Days after the quadruple homicide, investigators said they found 60000 in cash and a dozens of marijuana plants on the CVAC property. That's what really leads me to think there's no way the Ditos did this. Again, now there's motive if he was in with some shady people, something like that. Uh, and let's face it, Washington state is prime real estate to grow uh, outside if you know what i mean uh the kick sap sun reports the court records say more than fifty thousand was found in a safe under the master bed and seven thousand in a bank bag and a dresser uh the plants were found in a garage now the court documents did not say whether investigators believe the money or marijuana provided a motive at that time, no arrests were made. Let's go forward here. Now, Kitsap uh, County Sheriff's Office uh, names a person of interest, and that was Danny K. Keller Jr. In January 28th, the Sheriff's Office released a surveillance image of Kelly in a Target store for more than a week before the murders. In the store, he was seen wearing uh, clothing associated with the Banditos. Confused, that was a store a week before the murders. Now, they talked to him about the case and remained a person of interest. There were other persons of interest, who, and some were known associates of Kelly. And then in January of 2020, detectives and FBI special agents announced that members and associates of the motorcycle club Banditos were directly involved in the murders of the family. Now, he still remained a a person of interest, Kelly, and is known as an associate of the Banditos club. An associate and a member is two different things. I wish they would get that right. Now, let's go up here. 
uh, associates of Kelly. So yeah, he was an associate, not a member of them. Uh, a week after the murders, Crime Stoppers uh, pu- uh, sound offered uh, four thousand, then increased to twenty. Now here's the arrest part. On June six, they announced that three suspects in connections with the murders of the family. Kelly, who was also previously uh, a person of interest, was in custody. The other two arrested were brothers, Robbie, Robert, Bobby, and Johnny Watson. Now, investigators said the warrants listed 16 different felony charges for the person. So, it looks like because he was an associate, they're throwing the banditos all over the place here. Now, I don't know the membership status, if they have any, or just whatever, of the other ones arrested. That's what made no sense to me, was there's no way they were involved as a club. There's no way. Now, yeah, does some bad apples get out there and do stuff? Uh, Yeah. But I guarantee the club wouldn't condone something like that. Because like I said, you have all kinds of bikers that have grandkids, kids, wives, daughters. There's no way. No way. And then when they name this guy as an associate and not a member, and that's because, why? It looks like he's wearing a support outfit or support wear. And this gives you a real look into just how much support uh, wear can really cause a club. Because, look at this guy. He was caught on camera. Next thing you know, he's a banditos. Well, let's go back to a thing here. In January 2018, the sheriff's office released a surveillance image of Kelly in a Target store for more than a week before the murders. In the store, he was seen wearing clothing associated with the banditos. But they do not say that it was support wear, something you need to get off the internet. I wish they would say something like that. You can get this stuff off the internet, and if somebody go, and most of the time, the club don't even know who they are. So then what happens is the cops see something like that, and next thing you know, it's the club that did it. That's why I'm having a hard time with this. Really am. And with the amount of money he had, the amount of marijuana plants, there's no way. I may be wrong, man. We'll see how this uh, pans out. But what I do know is he's only an associate. I don't know the other status of the other guys. But there's more questions than there are answers in this article. And I'm sure they're all over the place right now. But most of the time, it's hard to find new information because all the articles are same. They just link back to the original sources and stuff. But what do you guys think? Do you think an MC would actually be involved in something like this? I can't say so. I can't. And I think it, uh, again, I I hate to sound like a broken record, 
but support wear should be harder to get because this is a prime example of how a club is going to be pulled into something that they probably didn't have anything to do with because some idiot went around wearing that support wear and committed stupid stuff. We'll keep you updated on how this progresses. It's going to be a long one. I know that uh, because this has been going on five years now. So they must have had something to make the arrest. If not, you know, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, we're going to go to the second half of the show right now with China Dow. We'll be right back after this music break. That people are using our tax uh, dollars to buy Big Macs. You know what amazes me, though, is everybody keeps talking about the fact that, you know, you you hear it all the time about people and their obesity, right? Then why would they allow people to use their food stamp card to get fast food? You know, it's bad enough I see people on a daily getting, you know, monsters and all these other kinds of energy drinks on their food stamps. But I think they need to only get be able to get the necessities. Stuff, fast food is a luxury. It's not a necessity. Right. I don't think it should be allowed. But it is. In multiple states. Every state's different because I looked them up. Every state is different. And it goes McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Subway, Burger King, uh, you name it. There's like 18 different restaurants that are accepting food stamps. Pizza Hut, Domino's. It's like, really? Well, that's what I mean. If we're going to give them a hands up, it should be done the right way. Well, I mean, if you're if if they if people need a helping hand, and I get it, everybody does every once in a while. They need a helping hand, which is fine. I have absolutely no issues with that. Well, my issue is is make it don't don't allow fast food. That's a luxury. Get something like allow them to use it for uh, diapers or toilet paper or something like that, which you can't get on food stamps. That's what you need to allow it for. You need to allow it to get some, you know, hot foods. You cannot get hot foods in most places at, like, a grocery store. Like, those rotisserie chickens that they make. A lot of a lot of states won't allow you to purchase that because it's considered a hot food. Right. You know, I know uh, gas stations, a lot of gas stations won't allow you to use food stamps if you're getting coffee or a cappuccino. But if you get a soda... Out of the soda fountain, you oh can use God, it for that. Oh my God! It's called the fucking pop. It's a soda, but it's it's getting ridiculous. You know, I had a customer tell me yesterday that they have in a couple states because she said she heard about it too, so she actually looked into it also. And she said there's a few states that won't even allow you to buy anything with sugar, like no candy, no soda, no um. What else was it? No energy drinks. Anything that had a lot of sugar in it, you weren't allowed to use your food stamps on. Which, okay. I agree. Well, it's supposed to be nutritious. Well, you know, it's like... what? Because if you think about it now, if you go to McDonald's and you get a Big Mac or you get a quarter pounder, you're looking easily at 20 bucks now. Oh, yeah. It's not like it was back in the day. Which could have, 20... been, could have been as long as five years ago. Five years ago, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I used to get 
the number two, mm-hmm. which was like two cheeseburgers, fry, and a drink, right? Right. Well, it was like with tax here in Illinois, it was like three twenty-five. Now it's not like that. Now you get that meal. You're looking at like seven dollars, eight dollars, mm-hmm. and it's like, geez, and then you, you can't even a- afford to eat out at, at a fast food restaurant anymore. And not to mention, fast food nowadays ain't even fast. No, it's like you order at one win, you know, at the at the box. Then you move up to the one window. You pay for your food. You go to your the next window. Then they tell you what. Pull forward. We'll bring it out to you. <laughs> well, that, regardless. 20 minutes later. Now, <laughs> d- just imagine if they're feeding uh, a couple people on that, and you get into the point where they're blowing the money in one sitting where they can really get a couple days' meals out of that money. Well, see, that's the other thing I don't understand. Why would you want to go and purchase fast food on your food stamps when one, let's say a family of four, okay? A family of four at, I'll just throw McDonald's out there. You know, you're talking 30, 30, 40 bucks. Well, 30, 40 bucks, you can get all the makings and all the stuff to make yourselves your own burgers at home for less than that. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to make make burgers at home with all the toppings, the whole nine yards, the fries, everything, for probably half what, what you're disgu- spending. What disgusts me is low-information voters, meaning you're paying all kinds of money out in taxes, and it goes to programs like this, and it's being misused. It kind of pisses you off. When you finally learn what's going on with these programs. Well, it's like there's people out there that can't get medical insurance. There's vets out there that can't get the help they need. There, I mean, there's all kinds of people that cannot get the help they need. But yet, they're going to turn around and let you go get McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell on your food stamp card. And then when they use the money up because they couldn't make the whole month because they don't know how to budget, they really get stupid and mean Mm -hmm. and blame everybody else for their problems. And then they're going to blame everybody else because they don't have enough groceries in their fridge or their freezer or their pantry. Because why? Because they were going every day to McDonald's and stuff, Mm -hmm. which is stupid. Just go to the grocery store and buy your groceries. I heard one YouTuber make another accusation against another YouTuber and I'm not going to ma- mention names, but the guy travels all over the damn place and really lives uh, a, de- a nomadic lifestyle. But it was claimed by him that this guy was on food stamps. And that, I, you know what, when I heard that and then if it was true, it pissed me the fuck off. It really did. It pissed me off. To know that somebody who has got a YouTube channel promoting a nomadic life would be dependent on food stamps, it had me. It had me going. What do you think? Yeah, and then then the question lies, is it in multiple states? Does it have more than one food card? 
That I don't know. I'm just saying if it was true, it's wrong. I mean, if they have a, if they have a YouTube channel and it's successful, what do you need food stamps for? Especially if you're living a nomadic lifestyle. Then you Meaning you're riding your bike everywhere the hell that you want to go. But at the same time, if you're living off of food stamps... And it's just yourself. You should be able to afford plenty of stuff to eat on your by yourself. Exactly. It's cheaper to feed just one than a family of five. Now, what states take this? It's got... It, every state... There are multiple states that accept it. Um, you would have to actually look it up. Because each restaurant is different per state. Mm. I know... So what do you got to have a fucking app? I know there's California. I know no surprise. Michigan, Illinois. No surprise. Um, those and Arizona, I think, was one. And yeah, but it's like you would have to look it up for your state, and it's easy just to Google it. Mm. But it's, I mean, I googled it just to find out. <laughs> and once you googled it. See, you're not too bright when it comes to the political issues. No. I have to give it to you, though. When you start digging in, you start getting knowledgeable about it. And the more you dig in, the more pissed off you get. Well, it's just irritating because, you know, like I said, there's people out there that really need the help. And then you got people out there taking advantage of the system. And it's like, you know, I don't like the fact that I'm busting my butt and other people are busting their butts at work. And, you know, you're going to McDonald's and it's like, well, I would have liked to go to McDonald's. Yeah, you, I would have liked to do it. <laughs> <laughs> can I go with you next time? Y'all can pay for me on your food stamps. Right. It's like, hey, how did you like, uh, you know, my hours worth of work that I had to put in to enjoy so that? get that Big Mac meal. Right. How did you I enjoy mean, it? And and don't get me wrong. I have absolutely nothing wrong. With, there is 100% nothing wrong if you need help to seek out and get help. You know, whether it's medical, whether it's food stamps, whether it's cash assistance, whatever the case may be. No issue. It's just I get sick and tired of people taking advantage of that assistance because the more people that take advantage of it, the less people that actually need it get it. Mm-hmm. And it sickens me. It really does. It makes me sick. Very well said. I'd like to get you guys' opinion on that uh, right there. But we're going to change gears here and go to something. You know what? I support my firefighters 100%, but I can't support this fuck nut. No, fish officials say Florida fire chief is arrested on a murder charge. Authorities in Florida say the chief of a volunteer fire department is accused of fatally shooting a business owner because the victim owed him money. The victim owed him money. Mm -hmm. The chief of the of the fire department in Florida. Uh, he his name is Brian Keith uh, Esterling or Easterling. Mm -hmm. He's 52. Well, he was taken into custody Monday. At his home and is awaiting extradition from a nearby county. Right. He was charged with premeditated murder. Damn. He's the chief of the Baker Fire District 
in Florida near the Panhandle. And the assistant chief and Easterling were both... And the assistant chief, uh, Mark McKenzie, said Easterling was suspended and would he would assume his role. So he lost his job right now. You think? I would hope. But the 63-year-old shop owner who has not been identified was found shot to death inside of his business. And they have... This is where he screwed up. Surveillance video from the shop capturing the entire murder. Go figure. That's some news for you today. Wow. So please explain to me what the hell. He is a chief of a fire department. I guess dude owed him money, man. He like put a fucking Sam Giacana shit on him. You know, and I I, <laughs> I, I don't know what he owed him money for, but... Not that serious, bro. Not that serious. Nah. Damn. Nah, that's just wrong. And, and like you said, you support your firefighters, but I think that one... He a bad apple. He naughty. Man. Uh, we're going to switch gears again here. There was an impassionate speech by Matthew McConaughey at the White House. And it had to be the most impassionate speech the press room at the White House has ever had. There's one moment in that speech, and it's going to be in full later on in the show. I'm going to play the full speech for the podcast. This is one... I couldn't believe it, man, uh, the speech that he gave. He's like right down the middle. And that's where we used to be as a country. Most of us are down the middle. We're not right wing. We're not left wing. No, we're moderates. We, you know, we do agree to disagree. We're not all the freaking freaks out there. And I think that's where uh, he comes into play. And this has to do with the gun control legislation they're trying to pass right now. Uh, He was from Uvalde. He was born there. His mother worked there as a teacher, I believe. He went there after the shooting, and it just affected him. Let's hear this part of the speech real quick. We know it's on the table. We need to invest in mental health care. We need safer schools. We need to restrain sensationalized media coverage. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore our American values. And we need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. Wow. And that's just a little part of it. 
He goes on to make a lot of damn good points. And I have to ask people, isn't there something that we can do? Now, some of those proposals, a lot of us are not going to agree on. Background checks, I agree on that one. Hell, we go through the void system here in Illinois. We have the background checks. We got a three-day waiting period on handguns. And it really don't affect my Second Amendment to do these background checks. And people are going to come back and say the shooter, well, he passed the background check. No, he didn't. He didn't pass a full one because his juvenile records were not included in that background check. If his juvenile records were included in that background check, he would have never got a gun. So that's one thing that they're trying to pass right now. It looks like everybody's working together, but I like how he covered American values and family values and mental health. See, that's right down the middle. You take and each side comes to the table and you meet in the middle. That's how negotiations work. You're not always going to get what you want. But there's some purists out there that say, well, the Second Amendment, Second Amendment. Well, wait a second. I'm a supporter of it. And like he said, I'm sick and fucking tired of every time one of these mass shooters go out there. You got to worry which party is going to pass the stupidest shit. So, yeah, gun owners are sick of it. Yes, we got to enforce laws. Yes, these freaking liberal DAs got to start putting people in jail. But can't we meet in the middle on some of this stuff? Well, I think it needs to start in the beginning and enforce the background. And enforce the ways and the means of being able to get uh, get a gun. Mm-hmm. That's where they're failing. Well, especially with this one, I never knew that juvenile records weren't included in the uh, in a gun background check. Well, and I he's, didn't know and that. he's gonna look squeaky clean because he just turned like eighteen. He was eighteen, so it's gonna look like he's got no record of any kind because of the fact that he's eighteen and everything prior to eighteen. There's gonna be no knowledge of. Hmm. Right. And that, to me, doesn't seem like a thorough background check. It isn't if you don't got the juvenile record. And his Facebook post, just like that idiot up in Buffalo, was telling everybody that, hey, I'm a psycho fuck and I want to kill people. Now, there's a lot of freedoms, a lot of gray areas in all this. As far as checking people's social media posts. And the townspeople knew this guy was whacked out. The speech was just inspirational to me. Because it was the first time I heard somebody say, 
okay, we need part of these guys' ideals. We have to get some of these ideals in there and meet in the middle and get something done. When you got your FOID card, did you have any issues with it going through the process? No, it just took forever. It takes for well, because they were busy because of COVID, but usually it's not like that. No, no, usually it's not. I mean, I didn't have an issue. I mean, they can background check me all they want. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'd rather they did. Why is that? Why is that? Because you're going to have a lot on the right say, well, you know, that's against our Constitution. You don't need a background check for the First Amendment. Because it makes me feel more comfortable knowing that they know whether or not this person should actually have one. Mm -hmm. I mean, how in-depth do they do background checks? Seriously. Well, they should be using NCIS, which I don't know if they do or not. But if they do, they have to make it to where juvenile records come into play. Because that's one thing with the Second Amendment that people don't understand with the Supreme Court. They ruled on Heller that, yeah, you got a right to have that gun, but at the same time, reasonable gun laws can be passed. And everybody's freaking out about gun laws. Hell, that goes all the way back in time. If you were in the West, man, they had some fucked up cattle towns. And they would put no guns within city limits. So this ain't something new. It ain't something new. But I don't think some of his stuff that he just said infringes on the Second Amendment. And I really liked when he said, hey, responsible gun owners and people that believe in the Second Amendment are tired of these mass shooters taking over everything. Well, that's just like the case that happened up in, I think it wasn't in Wisconsin, where the, the teenage boy mm-hmm. that got busted for the shooting through the school. Right. Well, his parents got charged, too. Which they should have. Because they bought it. And, and if I, they and, knew and, he was a... And they knew prior to this occurring that he was a head case. Right. They knew. The school even forewarned them. So they were fully aware. Mm-hmm. But yet the parents still bought him a weapon. And I agree 100% that these parents are also getting charged. So do I. I agree. I think it's only right. They already knew that there was, that he had these kind of intentions. So why, as a parent, would you go and give your child a weapon when he, you already know how he is? Hmm. And then, what does he do? Goes and shoots up a school. You know, and it's like, if you look back at all these mass shootings that have happened, and actually look into the information about each person that did the shootings, yeah, they all had really bad mental cases. Which is something that needs to be addressed. The problem is both extremists of each party, they don't know how to give. They don't know how to negotiate to the middle. That's just like, and they're right. The Second Amendment folks say, hey, you give an inch, they take it a mile with these Democrats. And they do. Well, and it's not like these people just wake up in the morning and decide, hey, 
I'm going to go shoot up a school today. No. They pre-plan all of it. A lot of it, yeah. Columbine. Oh, yeah, they plan that shit. With their black jackets and all. Come on. Mm-hmm. They sat down and anytime any of these school shootings happen, they it's, it's all pre-planned. It is all. They sit there and this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. You're going to go this way. I'm going to go. They, they sit there and work through it and plan it all out. And They're, what's worse about Texas was the cops. The way they handled that shooting. And I'm sorry, I think a lot of cops, I'm not saying all, but I'm saying a lot of cops need more freaking training. Oh, you're fucking When right, it comes to situations like a school shooting, they need more extensive training because they need to get their asses involved. Yeah, they're here to protect and serve. Well, guess what? Start fucking protecting. Well, that's just like Parkland. What came out of that was Florida really solidified their schools and that's something that you know hopefully is being talked about right now well and the other thing they got to keep in mind too a lot of schools are doing like at our i know at our high school here they call it julie which is you know what to do in case there's a school shooting Mm -hmm. keep in mind the school shooter can be a student at that school right so they're gonna know what you're do what the plans are this is oh i know what they're going to be doing right now i know what they're going to be doing right now so i i don't know how they would go about you know that kind of scenario but that's another thing that people need to keep in mind they're pr- doing all these pa- practice drills cuz i know our schools do them uh practice drills for what happens if there's a school shooting well guess what if the student was at one of those schools and did one of those practice drills, they know where you're going to be hiding. They know what you're going to be doing. They're going to come up to the door and be like, let me in. I need to get out. You know, and, and then you're going to be dumb and you're going to open the door. You know, it's like people just need to be more aware. I think this subject hits us home because of the grandkids. Because our older, well, even our daughters in schools now. Yeah. So well, it hits us home. Well, and then at the school that she's at, it ain't much better. Mm. They have police presence all the time because some of these kids are really, yeah. They're out of hand. They're extremely out of hand. So it goes back to having to raise our kids the right way. Mm. That's what it does. But what would you say to people who say what Matthew McConaughey said was out of line? I I don't think so. I mean, if I mean, I heard that part, and I've heard other parts of it. I've never sat and heard the whole entire speech, but all the parts that I heard about it, he's on both sides of the fence. Yeah, he is. He's trying to put. He's both he's not he, he, out. he's not being the the hardcore Republican. He's not being the hardcore Democrat. He is legit straight down the middle, and that's what just kind of like how you were saying, and they need to come together. They need to stop fighting against each other. You're damn right in pointing fingers. Stop pointing fingers and just take responsibility and just freaking do shit right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Man. Uh, Next discussion before the music break, I wanted to get China Dow's uh, thoughts on this one. 
later on after the music break. Oh boy, it's hum day. You know it is with China now when we go over that stuff. But listen to this. And, and it's a dangerous one. There's a growing number of truck drivers now quitting because soaring gas prices are wiping out their paychecks. Paychecks. They're talking thousand dollar fill ups at one time. We're already, you know, at the gas pump. We're already eighty thousand truckers short. More than 70% of freight is transported by truck drivers. This is pretty dangerous stuff. Well, Liz, it's great to be back with you, and you're 100% right. There's nothing more integral to our supply chain logistics than having enough well-paid, competent truck drivers in this country. As you point out, we're short drivers now due to the baby boom generation retiring. Uh, many of the Biden mandates on employment, the vaccine mandates by the Biden administration, and now we're up 70% on diesel prices. If you're in a fleet, if you are a fleet driver for a big company like Walmart or J.B. Hunt, you probably have a price escalator in there for your diesel costs. It's up 70% from last year. But if you're an entrepreneur, a self-made truck driver working, uh, you're paying uh, almost uh, $2,000, $2,200 a week, up almost $900, and you're in the spot market for fuel. You don't have a hedge or any sophisticated support. Yeah. That's what's killing them. You know, it's an important point you make. I mean, truckers are so vital to our economy. It's a tough job that they do, right? We've got to hand it to the truck drivers what they do for us in our country. You know, hats off to them. But remember when the energy secretary basically laughed at I agree with her. People are quitting left and right. Now, my brother's an OTR driver. Loves the road. But he works for a smaller company, and I can guarantee they're having problems. I think, what's diesel at right now? 550 It's more than that. It might be more than that. I don't know. But that's a lot of fucking money. And that gets passed on to us as well. But like he said, if you're a small-time driver or owner-operator, you're getting washed out by these gas prices. You're basically making enough to cover your gas. And nothing else. And nothing else. No bills will get paid. And I really think this is probably hurting people down south, because people down south, a lot of them are overroad truck drivers. Because that's what they got down there. Mm -hmm. And what they're facing now, they didn't have to face. Well, what it is, is people aren't being, you know, you got to appreciate the truck drivers and the job that they do. Because of the fact that if they don't do their job, you ain't eating. You ain't eating. Ain't no going to be you know, groceries in the grocery store. You ain't even going to be able to get gas for your own car. Because let me tell you, they're the ones that deliver it. You and know. 70%, man, wow, of our country's goods are delivered by truck. And it makes sense to me, though, a lot of truck drivers are stopping because they can't afford to do it. And they're getting let go by companies that are big because they're making a choice between the driver and the ga the fuel to get fueled up. Yep. Unbelievable, man. It's getting ridiculous. A lot of stuff out there is just nuts. We'll be right back after this music break, and we're going to go to China Dow's Hump Day. Search for blood. All 
If I really thought it was hopeless And if nobody ever really noticed I bet I would've never even tried And here I am still alive Keep telling me I should stop dreaming And I won't amount to nothing, nothing About to lose my mind Do what I say A fuck about you. I'm reaching out for anything. Cause I feel the weight of everything. On top of me, top of me. I'm a get I'm a get Hard to wish upon a storm. Keep calling, but no one can hear you no more. It covers me, covers me. fucking me and I like to suck one off while the other one's fucking me and today I'm having two of my very favorite friends come over and they're gonna be eating my pussy and I'm gonna be sucking them off mmm I can hardly wait they should be here any minute suck it suck it deep suck it suck it deep suck it WMMR All right, here we go. This story here is a nice, cute little short story 
written by Mommy Likes to Play. Mommy Likes to Play, baby. <laughs> I had that the fucking truth. I had a really rough week, so I went out to blow off some steam, hit up the local bar, which is in walking distance of my house. When I got there, the place was packed. I made my way up to the bar and got myself a drink. I noticed a couple cute guys playing pool and made my way over. I didn't want to seem so needy, so I sat back and watched a while. They seemed to notice me watching. I got up to get another drink and noticed my friend Stacy just walked in. So we got a table and started chatting about our week. The guys walked over with drinks in hand and asked if they can join us. We agreed. They handed us the drinks. They were both cute, but I liked the one because his stare was his hair was starting to go silver. So I did my best to flirt with him. My friend and his got up to go dance, and I got to the point I told him I wasn't looking for anything but a fuck. <laughs> his jaw Damn! His jaw almost dropped to the floor. We quietly snuck out and walked back to my place. He kept feeling me up. When we got to my place, I immediately dropped to my knees, unzipped his pants, and started sucking on his dick. He was already China hard. Now all hot over here and shit. Hey, I am making it where my hands are visible. <laughs> Nobody can accuse me of nothing. <laughs> but she's getting wet between the legs right now. <laughs> That's why my legs are crossed. <laughs> He reached down and pulled my tits out of my shirt. He was driving me mad. I needed my pussy filled. So I pulled us over to my couch and pulled up my dress. He slid his cock in my dripping pussy. His cock was very thick. He slowly started fucking me, and as I started moaning, he started fucking me harder. He wrapped his hands around my neck and continued to fuck me harder. I that, got a question for yo. you. What? You're, you're into this shit, are you? <laughs> are you like seeing visions of this stuff? Yes, I'm visualizing. Shh, let me finish. <laughs> do you women really do love thick cocks? Is that what you guys like? If they know how to use it. What do you mean how, uh, how they use it? If they're thick, all you have to do is put it in. Yeah, sometimes too thick, though. Oh, I see. Yeah. Shh, let me finish. Because he's about to, so let me finish. <laughs> that feeling of being held like a fuck toy made me come so hard. He kept fucking me like that, harder, deeper, faster, until he pulled out and came on me. He managed to come all over me, my face, my tits, my stomach. I wish he would have came in my swollen pussy, but it's I still felt satisfied. Ow! He got up, got dressed, and asked if I was going back to the bar. I said I probably was going to shower. He said, okay, nice to meet you. I giggled and said, yeah, very nice. Then he walked out the door. Well, I still haven't showered, just laying here typing this out for y'all. Hope you enjoyed my night. <laughs> Bitch full of cum and she's still typing away. <laughs> she covered in she covered in man jizz and she just typing her shit. I think a lot more people are doing these one night stands instead of the relationships. I just thought this one was good. It was funny with the there was one article where men actually admitted 
that they were afraid to get married because in a lot of these states, it's 50-50, no-fault divorce. And now you're seeing a lot more rise in this kind of behavior. And I bet Tinder's on fire, man. Probably. Because I'm jealous. When I went to bars, it wasn't like that. <laughs> now bitch is just throwing her legs open. It's not even like a contest anymore. It's like, oh, you see a broad at the counter. Hey, you just want to open your legs, go out in the parking lot, just bump a little bit. And they're like, okay. It's like, what? I used to get slapped for that shit. Used to get slapped for it. And now all of a sudden it's right. Now all of a sudden ain't nothing wrong with it. That's some fucked up shit. It's like, hey, truck's out back. Want to go? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and what's funny is I've witnessed that kind of stuff. And women, where the hell is your standards at? You see some women just going after the ugliest motherfucker. They don't got no money. They're all nasty and shit. But because they want a cock, they, they just open their legs. They, they don't care. Some Why is some, that now? Now, see, I got standards, but some people don't. <laughs> they got none at all. Mm -mm. Oh, I've seen. I've seen when I go out to the bar, I've seen the ugliest dude get the hottest chick. You're shitting. And I look and I'm just like, how'd that happen? You're like, what happened? I found out the one the one that I saw, you know, I found out why that happened. So uh -huh. he had money. She didn't. So, well, hey. Well, yeah, just throw your pussy open. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that scenario, that was self-explained. Right. When he's buying, buying the whole bar a shot, you know. <laughs> he's got some money. He got some money. So Is it like you women smell if somebody has a money? No. Bullshit. You guys don't got a radar. You can't smell that this guy over here has money. Mm -mm. You're nope. lying. Nope. You guys got money radar. What are you fucking kidding me? Nah, my gaydar's always going off. I'm not talking so. about gaydar. I'm talking about money radar. I don't have that. Well, we're not talking about you. I don't think women It's have not that. all about you. I don't think women have that. Maybe a few, but... So you're saying it's luck. It's pure luck, I think. Well, there's a lot of luck out there. Lady Luck is on a lot of ladies' sides, I guess. I guess, But hey, man. the roles could be reversed. It could be the same for a guy. Right. Finding someone with money. Unbelievable. It's redonkulous. It's time for Cards Against Humanity. Get your nastiness ready. Okay, Cards Against Humanity. What do we got there? China Dow for the day. She not prepared. I don't like that. I don't like it. What do you mean you don't like it? I don't like it when you're not prepared. Get a question. Turns out that blank man was neither the hero we needed nor wanted. Blank man? Cock man. Cock man? Yeah. Is there an actual figure that's a cock man? I don't know what there should be. Should be a giant wiener. What the fuck is with you? You read a, a, a story like you did, and now you're talking about Blank Man. Does he shoot blanks? 
Blank meaning fill in the blank, dumbass. Why do I gotta be a dumbass, man? Turns out that instead of Spider-Man or Superman... Well, you said blank man. Blank, meaning fill in the blank. Is he shooting blank? Oh my god, you're dumb. I'm gonna throw my shoe at you. Why? I didn't do nothing. You're dumb. You're dumb. Go to a next question. I quit. I don't like that one. I quit. That's a boring question. Ah, <laughs> Rob Benderman, fart man. Fart man. Oh, don't talk about Howard Stern on this show. I hate that motherfucker. That fucking guy is a joke. I hate Howard Stern. But go ahead. We got another one here. What do we got? Members of New York's social elite are paying thousands of dollars j just to experience what? A real orgasm. Because they're all tight asses. They are. They're tight asses in New York. That's probably why they talk funny. They do. They talk funny. You how, ever hear anybody from New York talk? talk? They talk funny. Because they're from New York? Yeah, from New York. How you doing? It's like, dude. I know I'm bad on English, How but you, you doing? fucks. I, I, I know. But I think that to experience a real orgasm. Just saying. Huge, you know, morbid, huge dildos. <laughs> Why do you, like, smile and all that kind of shit where, you know, when they're talking about thick cocks <laughs> and dildos? What's with you, really? You confuse me. Dude, I get a giggle every time Morbick says something. He makes me giggle. Yeah, but then you're over here creaming when you're reading a fucking exotic story and stuff. <laughs> My hands were 100% visible on camera. That don't mean you're not rubbing your legs together to get your click going. I wasn't. Oh, bullshit. I was doing Kegels, but... Kegels? Does that, like, get you off, Kegels? No. Then why do you do them? Because it makes it tighter down there. What the fuck, stupid? Why do I always got to be fucking stupid? I don't know. You just answered your own question, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I always got to be stupid? I don't know. Why are you? <laughs> you oh, my goodness one, gracious. Dumbass. You know, you actually got something on me. Oh, my da, God. Da. Anyway, we're going to go to uh, the Matthew McConaughey full speech. You guys uh, can hear that speech on the podcast platforms and all that good stuff. We'll see you tomorrow, cocksucker. Dick. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> we'll be right back.
to make the loss of these lives matter. My, uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife and I, Camilla, we spent most of last week on the ground with the families in Uvalde, Texas. We shared stories, tears, and memories. The, uh, the common thread, independent of the anger and the confusion and the sadness, it, it was the same. How can these families continue to honor these deaths by keeping the dreams of these children and teachers alive? Again, how can the loss of these lives matter? So while we honor and acknowledge the victims, we, we need to recognize that this time, it seems that something is different. There is a sense that perhaps there's a viable path forward. Responsible parties in this debate seem to at least be committed to sitting down and having a real conversation about a new and improved path forward a path that can bring us closer together and make us safer as a country, a path that can actually get something done this time. Uh, Camille and I came here to share my stories from my hometown of Uvalde. Came here to take meetings with elected officials on both sides of the aisle. We came here to speak to them, to speak with them, and to urge them to speak with each other to remind and inspire them that the American people will continue to drive forward the mission of keeping our children safe because it's more than our right to do so. It's our responsibility to do so. I'm here today in the hopes of applying what energy, reason, and passion that I have into trying to turn this moment into a reality. Because as I said, this moment is different. We are in a window of opportunity right now that we have not been in before. A window where it seems like real change. Real change can happen. Uvalde, Texas is where I was born. It's where my, my mom taught kindergarten less than a mile from Robb Elementary. Uvalde is where I learned to master a, a, a Daisy BB gun. That took, that took two years before I graduated to a 410 shotgun. Uvalde is where I was taught to revere the power and the capability of the tool that we call a gun. Uvalde is where I learned responsible gun ownership. Now, Uvalde called me on May 24th when I learned the news of this devastating tragedy. I had been out of cellular range working in the studio all day when I emerged, and messages about a mass shooting in the town I was born in began flooding my inbox. In a bit of shock, I drove home, I hugged my children a bit tighter and longer than the night before, and then the reality of what had happened that day in the town I was born in set in. So the next morning, Camilla, myself, and the kids, we loaded up the truck and we drove to Uvalde. And when we arrived a few hours later, I gotta tell you, even from the inside of our vehicle, you, you, could, you could feel the shock in the town. You, you could feel the pain, the denial, the disillusion, anger, blame, sadness, loss of lives, dreams halted. We saw ministries, we saw first responders, counselors, cooks, families trying to grieve without it being on the front page news. We met with the local funeral director and countless morticians who, who hadn't slept since the massacre the day before. They've been working 24-7 trying to handle so many bodies at once. So many little innocent bodies 
who had their entire lives still yet to live. Now it is there that we met two of the grieving parents, Ryan and Jessica Ramirez. Their 10-year-old daughter, Alethea. She was one of the 19 children that were killed the day before. Now Alethea, her dream was to go to art school in Paris and one day share her art with the world. Ryan and Jessica were eager to share Alethea's art with us and said if we could share it, that somehow, maybe that would make Aletha smile in heaven. They told us that showing someone else Aletheia's art would in some way keep her alive. Now this particular drawing is a, uh, a self-portrait right, of, of Aletha drawing with her friend in heaven looking down on her drawing the very same picture. Her mother said of this drawing, she said, you know, we never really talked to her about heaven before, but somehow she knew. Letha was 10 years old. Her father, Ryan, this man was steady. He was uncommonly together and calm. When a, a frazzled friend of his came up and said, how are you so calm? I, I'd, be, I'd be going crazy. Ryan told him, he said, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You'd be strong for your wife and kids because if they see you go crazy, that will not help them. Just a week prior, Ryan got a full-time line job, stringing power lines from pole to pole. And every day since landing that well-paying full-time job, he reminded his daughter, Alethea, he said, girl, daddy gonna spoil you now. Told her every single night, he said, Daddy's going to take you to SeaWorld one day. But he didn't get to, see, he didn't get to spoil his daughter. Lydia, she did not get to go to SeaWorld. We also met Anna and Danilo, the mom and the stepdad of nine-year-old Maite Rodriguez. Maite wanted to be a marine biologist. She was already in contact with Corpus Christi University of A&M for her future college enrollment. Nine years old. Maite cared for the environment so strongly that when the city asked her mother if they could release some balloons into the sky in her memory, her mom said, oh no, Maite wouldn't want to litter. Maite wore green high-top converse with a heart she had hand-drawn on the right toe because they represented her love of nature. Camilla's got these shoes. Can you show these shoes, please? Wore these every day. Green Converse with a heart on the right toe. These are the same green Converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting. How about that? Mm-hmm. Maite wrote a letter. Her mom said if Maite's letter could help someone accomplish her dream, that then her death would have an impact. And it would mean her dying had a point and wasn't pointless. That it would make the loss of her life matter. The letter reads, Marine biologist, 
I want to pass school to get to my dream college. My dream college is in Corpus Christi by the ocean. I need to live next to the ocean because I want to be a marine biologist. Marine biologists study animals and the water. Most of the time I will be in a lab. Sometimes I will be on TV. Then there was Ellie Garcia, a 10-year-old, and her parents, Stephen and Jennifer. Ellie loved to dance and she loved church. She even knew how to drive tractors and was already working with her dad and her uncle mowing yards. Ellie was always giving of her gifts, her time, even half-eaten food on her plate, they said. Said so around the house, we called her the great re-gifter. Smiling through tears, her family told us how Ellie loved to embrace. Said she was the biggest hugger in the family. Now, Ellie was born Catholic, but had been going to Baptist church with her uncle for the last couple of years. Her mom and dad were proud of her because they said she was learning to love God no matter where. The week prior to her passing, she'd been preparing to read a verse from the Bible for the next Wednesday night's church service. The verse was from Deuteronomy 6.5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's who Ellie was becoming. But she never got to read it. Service on that Wednesday night. Then there was a fairy tale love story of a teacher named Irma and her husband Joe. What a great family this was. This was an amazing family. Camilla and I, we, 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 we sat with about 20 of their family members in their living room, along with their four kids. Uh, they were, kids were 23, 19, 15, and 13. They, they, they shared all these stories about Irma and Joe, served the community, and would host all these parties, and how Irma and Joe were planning on getting a food truck together when they soon retired. They were humble, hard-working people. Irma was a teacher who her family said went above and beyond and just couldn't say no to any kind of teaching. Joe had been commuting to and from work 70 miles away in Del Rio for years. Together they were the glue of the family. Both worked overtime to support their four kids. Irma even worked every summer when school was out. The money she had made two summers ago Paid to, paid to paint the front of the house. The money she made last summer paid to paint the sides of the house. This summer's work was going to pay to paint the back of the house. Because Irma was one of the teachers who was gunned down in the classroom. Joe, her husband, literally died of heartache the very next day, when he had a heart attack. They never got to paint the back of their house. They never got to retire. And they never got to get that food truck together. 
We also met a cosmetologist. Right, she was well-versed in mortuary makeup. That's the task of making the victims appear as peaceful and natural as possible for their open casket viewings. These bodies were very different. They needed much more than makeup to be presentable. They needed extensive restoration. Why? Due to the exceptionally large exit wounds of an AR-15 rifle. Most of the bodies so mutilated that only DNA test or green converse could identify them. Many children were left not only dead but hollow. So yes, counselors are going to be needed in Uvalde for a long time. Counselors are needed in all these places where these mass shooters have been for a long time. I, I was told by many that it takes a good year before people even understand what to do next. And even then, when they become sure, secure enough to take the first step forward, a lifetime is not going to heal those wounds. But again, you, you know what every one of these parents wanted, what they asked us for? what every parent separately expressed in their own way to Camilla and me, that they want their children's dreams to live on. That they want their children's dreams to continue to accomplish something after they are gone. They want to make their loss of life matter. Look, we heard from, we heard from so many people, right? Families of the deceased, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, Texas Rangers, hunters, Border Patrol, and responsible gun owners who won't give up their Second Amendment right to bear arms. And you know what they all said? We want secure and safe schools, and we want gun laws that won't make it so easy for the bad guys to get these damn guns. So, we know it's on the table. We need to invest in mental health care. We need safer schools. We need to restrain sensationalized media coverage. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore our American values. And we need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle. To 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. These regulations are not a step back. They're a step forward for a civil society and, and the Second Amendment. Look, is this cure-all? Hell no. But people are hurting. Families are. Parents are. And look, as, as, as divided as our country is, 
this gun responsibility issue is one that we agree on more than we don't. It really is. Look, this should be a nonpartisan issue. This should not be a partisan issue. There is not a Democratic or Republican value in one single act of these shooters. It's not. But people in power have failed to act. So we're asking you, and I'm asking you, will you please ask yourselves, can both sides rise above? Can both sides see beyond the political problem at hand and admit that we have a life preservation problem on our hands? Because we've got a chance right now to reach for and to grasp a higher ground above our political affiliations. A chance to make a choice that does more than protect your party. A chance to make a choice that protects our country now and for the next generation. We've got to take a sober, humble, and honest look in the mirror and rebrand ourselves based on what we truly value. What we truly value. We've got to get some real courage and honor our immortal obligations instead of our party affiliations. Enough with the counterpunching. Enough with the invalidation of the other side. Let's come to the common table that represents the American people. Find a middle ground, the place where most of us Americans live anyway, especially on this issue. Because I promise you, uh, America, you and me, we are not as divided as we are being told we are. No. How about we get inspired? Give ourselves just cause to revere our future again. Maybe set an example for our children. Give us reason to tell them, hey, listen and, and watch these, these, these men and women. These are great American leaders right here. Hope you grow up to be like them. And let's admit it. We can't truly be leaders if we're only living for re-election. Let's be knowledgeable and wise and act on what we truly believe. Again, we got to look in the mirror. Lead with humility and acknowledge the values that are inherent to, but also above, politics. We've got to make choices, make stands, embrace new ideas, and preserve the traditions that can create true, true progress for the next generation. With real leadership, let's start giving us, all of us, with real leadership, let's start giving all of us good reason to believe that the American dream is not an illusion. So where do we start? We start by making the right choices on the issue that is in front of us today. We start by making laws that save innocent lives and don't infringe on our Second Amendment rights. We start right now by voting to pass policies that can keep us from having as many Columbines, Sandy Hooks, Parklands, Las Vegas's, Buffaloes, and Uvaldes from here on. We start by giving Alethea, a chance to be spoiled by her dad. We start by giving Mate a chance to become a marine biologist. 
start by giving Ellie a chance to read her Bible verse at the Wednesday night service. We start by giving Irma and Joe a chance to finish painting their house. Maybe retire, get that food truck. We start by giving McKenna, Layla, Miranda, Nevaeh, Jose, Javier, Tess, Rogelio, Eliana, Annabelle, Jackie, Azuya, JC, Jayla, Ava, Amory, and Lexi. We start by giving all of them our promise that their dreams are not going to be forgotten. We start by making the loss of these lives matter. And that's all for Motorcycle Madhouse this morning. Don't forget to go over to subscribe to our YouTube channel, install Insane Throttle TV's channel over on Roku, as well as go get the Insane Throttle radio app over on Google Play. Rock on until next time.